Amen. Thank you all. Thank you all for leading us. We sure appreciate that. We are looking this morning that Jesus is all. We're looking at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, not a whole lot of time I'm going to give you to get ready, so get your Bibles open and get ready, because we've got a lot to do today. As Dan Bongino says, cutesy time is over. I don't have any much cutesy stuff for you this morning, but we're fixing to dig deep into the Great Commission. Um, as, we, as you're getting there, Matthew 28, just know that a commission, what is that word? What does it mean to be commissioned to do something? It just means an instruction, a command, or duty given to a particular group of people or a group of people that are officially charged with doing something. To be commissioned means you have been given something to do by a higher authority, a subordinate carrying out the mission of its superior. That's what a commission is. We say, that, we say this every week at the end of the service, but that's what a commission is, and that's why it's called the Great Commission. Now understand that in the original Bible, it didn't say the Great Commission like it does above yours. We've added that kind of stuff in to make it easier to find stuff. We call it the Great Commission. Jesus just said it's, what, it's just following him. That's what following him is. But we call it this because it helps us uh, identify things. That's what we're about to dig into. These few verses. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Let's read this along together. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. A very familiar piece of scripture that I hope becomes very alive to all of us this morning as we dig into this. I'm going to pray, and then we'll dig in to what God has for us today. God, I come to you this morning and ask you to speak through me, God. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, that your name would be proclaimed, uh, and that the hearts of your followers, followers would be invigorated to sell out to you, God, and that if those that, that, are, that don't know you, God, that they would come to know you today, that they would profess their, their faith, their allegiance to you, the one true God, the one true King of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ, God, I pray it in his name, amen. All right, so we're looking at this, and let's break it down, let's digest it, and let's plant deep into our hearts an understanding of all that is being said here in this commission Jesus gives us as his followers. First, it says that Jesus came near. Jesus came near. Now, there's only one other time in the Gospel of Matthew, the account of Jesus' life written down and documented by Matthew. Only one other time where he said that Jesus came to someone. That is Matthew chapter 17, 6 and 8. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This was at the, great, or at the uh, transfiguration uh, when Peter, James, and John are there. And they see, they see what they think is uh, Moses and Elijah there with Jesus. And, and Jesus shows his glory truly for the first time and they are scared to death and jesus came to them and said get up don't be afraid everything's all right i'm still here what does that mean well right before this is happening this is after the resurrection this is the very last thing that takes place in matthew's gospel jesus has told through the women that found him first to be resurrected tell the disciples to meet me at the mountain in galilee and so they have traveled from jerusalem up to galilee we don't know the exact timing it's not the point 
this is the point of Matthew's gospel ending this way is that this is the important thing you need to get. That's why he just, it, it feels like he just slams on the brake, throws it in the park, and it's over because he wants to make sure the last thing ringing in our minds when we read this account of Jesus' life is to go do this. But he says, meet me at the mountain in Galilee. So they've traveled up to Galilee, and they see Jesus. They haven't seen him yet. The last time they saw him, he was arrested, beaten, and hung on a cross and killed, and then was taken in place in a tomb. They think he's still dead. The only thing they've been told so far at this point is that the women said, hey, we went there, and he's not there. He's alive. He showed up to us, and he said to go meet him in Galilee on a mountain. So they're coming up, and they see Jesus from a distance, and most of them are like, wow, he did it. But some doubt it, it says. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me, the, the human capacity for doubt and for not trusting in God and who he is. And so it has just said that some of them doubted. And as they are doubting, as they are seeing the resurrected Jesus, as they are doubting, Jesus comes to them. Jesus filled the space between their faith and their doubt. They had faith, but they had doubt. And Jesus filled that space in between as they're coming up. He came right up to them to give them assurance. And he gives them this assurance, the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission. And it is quite an assuring statement that Jesus makes as we dig into that this morning. So he gives them this assurance. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This question of authority is a big one. This question of authority, if someone has authority, they have the right to power. They have the right to tell you what to do. In this case, the question of authority is, is who is God and who is not? And Jesus fills the space there and he comes to them and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Before Jesus is crucified, he is asked by the high priest if he is the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? It's just right before he's crucified, just, just, just a little bit before. It's a little bit before where we've, where we've got this in Matthew. It's Matthew 26. It's the high priest talking. He says, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus responds, 64, you have said so, Jesus replied, but I say to, you, to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He says, do you actually have this authority? You're claiming to have the authority. Do you, are, you, are, you, are you claiming to have the authority of God? Because to claim to have the authority of God is to claim to be God. And to claim to be God, if you're not God, means you've got to die. That's what the Old Testament law says. That's blasphemy. Well, is that what they thought? That's what they thought. Because right after this, the high priest tears his clothes and screams blasphemy. We don't need to hear anything else. Kill him right now. This guy thinks he is God. He says, do you have this authority? And Jesus answers him. He says, yeah, I do. I do. And he makes an obvious messianic reference to what he says. And obvious to the people that would have heard it. They would have known exactly what Jesus was saying when he said it. We read that and we go, I don't know, it sounds like something kind of cool. But I'm, sometimes we don't really get what he is saying. If we opened our Bibles a little more often, maybe we would get what he was saying. That, that was for free. But they knew what he was saying, especially the high priest. The high priest knew the 
Testament, which is what it would have been then, just the Hebrew Scripture of the Old Testament, backwards and forwards. Jesus is making an obvious Messianic reference. He is saying, yes, I am the Messiah by what he is saying. What is he saying? He's quoting from Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night I looked, this is Daniel talking, and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days, one of the names for God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. They said, are you the Messiah? He said, hey, you said I'm the Messiah. Here's what I say. And he quotes from the Old Testament a particular passage of Scripture that they closely associated with whoever the Messiah was going to be, was going to be that guy. Jesus says, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy Daniel was talking about. 600 years ago when Daniel wrote that down about the guy that was to come, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I am him. I am God. I have that authority. Now, now that Jesus has faced the cross and resurrected, he assures the apostles. So this, when he said that to the high priest, it was before he had done what it took to be able to say for sure to the world that he was God. But now that he has faced the cross and resurrected, never leave that part out. He's faced the cross and resurrected. He assures the apostles, yeah, all authority has been given to me. All authority. Authority is the right to use power. All authority, all power, all dominion has been given to me. I have the right to all power in heaven and earth. Now remember this, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Satan tempted Jesus with all power and authority of earth right? Do this, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Do this, and I'll give you everything this world has to offer. Do this. Turn your back on God. Blaspheme God. Sin, and I'll give you all the power that you can have here on this earth. Jesus decided that, you know, maybe it was a little better to hold out for what God was offering. Obviously, he was going to do that, but he chose the better. He chose the better authority, all of heaven and earth. And then he continues, once he establishes that, yes, I am God and I have all authority, he continues with uh, the Great Commission. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go! Josh has already talked about it a little bit this morning. It's amazing how God works things out. Go! Go! Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go. You should go. Well, I want to make very clear what Jesus is saying here. In English, that sounds like a command to go. In Greek, it's an assumption. It, it's, it's something that you will obviously be doing. You will obviously be going about your life. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not, not like go like you, like, okay, now I follow Jesus, now I have to, have to go here, and I have to go here, right? And sometimes we even, we even put that into this little box of, that's for missionaries only. Missionaries go, but I, I'm here. But they go. They go do that Jesus disciple-making thing. I'm here. They go. No, that's not what it is saying. It is saying it's assumed that you will be going about your life. So when he says go, it's like, it's like when you have gone, 
or as you are going. We will always be going. Go does not mean a specific trip. It's not a specific mission. It's not a specific thing. It is the mission. (laughs) Going is the mission. We should always be going. We will always be interacting. We will always have people in and around our lives. You'll have a job. You'll have a family. Sometimes it's physically easier to go for some than for others, but we always have the opportunity to interact with human beings, other people that need to be strengthened in their faith if they already have it, or brought to faith if they don't. They need, the world needs to hear the truth of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the forgiver of sins, the gift-giving God of eternal life. The world needs that. And he says, you're going to be going So as you're going, he continues, do this. The one commandment in the commission. Go is not the commandment. This is the commandment. Jesus came near to it, said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. That's what we've been commissioned with. As you're going about your life, make disciples. If you say you follow me and you're not making disciples, you're not doing it right. This is what Jesus said we are to do. Go as you're going. You're going to be going. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Following Jesus is an action-oriented, people-centered, other people-centered belief. It's faith. It's hope and trust in action. It is not something that you just know and then never act upon. That's knowledge. Jesus didn't come to give you knowledge. Jesus came to give you the truth, and the truth is, put your faith in him, your hope and trust in action for the gift of eternal life and for forgiveness of sin. Tyndale Commentary says it this way, Jesus' universal lordship, his all authority, now demands a universal mission. See, if if Jesus had partial authority, then maybe this partially applied to some of us. But Jesus has all authority, so it applies to all. All of us. It's an all-encompassing mission, a universal mission. Why? Because he is God. He is Lord of all, King of kings. All-encompassing mission. Jesus, Jesus says, I have all authority, and you all, every one of you that has faith in me, that is a follower of mine, every single one of you has a mission, and it is to make disciples as you're going. That is the great commission, an all-encompassing mission. It is mathetuo is the Greek word that he uses there. Mathetuo. To make disciples. I like, I like the old languages, how they did that. It takes the noun, mathetes, which is the noun for disciples. It's used over and over and over and over in the New Testament and in Acts. Excuse me, in the Gospels and in Acts. And it takes that noun there and then it adds on the action of it. To literally make more of these. Matthew 2 make disciples. Go make more of these. If you say you're one of these, then go make more of them. Go make more followers of mine. Make disciples. Make disciples of who? Who should we make disciples out of, church? Who should we make disciples of? Out of. He didn't leave that up for debate. He made that very clear. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. All 
nations. All nations in the Greek is ponte te ethne. You can see there that word, ethne, looks just like the word we use in English. Ethnicities would be the, would be the more common word we would use. All people, all nations, all ethnicities, all people. All people. I, we can't harp on that enough. What about people that make me uncomfortable? Yeah, that's an all. What about people that smell? Yeah, that's an all. What about people that are tall? Yeah, them too. Short, okay. Athletic, yep. Black, white, brown, green, doesn't matter. All the things that we do to distinguish between each other, God does not see. God doesn't care about any delineation that we make between each other. He doesn't care how much money you have. He doesn't care what your job is. He doesn't care if you're married or you're not, if you have kids or you don't. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care if you have beautiful, long-flowing locks or if you're slick-bald like me. He don't care. He cares about all people. He said in his word that he does not desire for one to perish. Not one. Nobody. So if you ever come to that point, if you ever feel that inside of you, that thing inside of us that wants to differentiate between you and someone else because of whatever title you want to put on it, because of where they come from or how they talk or how they look or whatever, Feel Jesus come near to you and whisper, I came for all people. All people. Ponte Tithne. All people. And that means all people. So how do we go about that? What's the how and the what of doing this then? That's what Jesus says at the, at the end of this it says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. The first action he gives on how to make disciples. Now we're talking. I get kind of fired up when we talk about baptism. There's nothing more invigorating, I don't think, for a church to see than for someone to stand up there and say, Yes, I identify with you. I, I am this. I am a Christ follower. To perform, excuse me, the ritual of baptism, the, the ceremony of baptism, the tradition of baptism, whatever you want to call it. To, when that is performed, it is a miraculous, it is literally a miracle taking place in front of your eyes that someone has gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. And they are saying that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. A God that lived over 2,000 years ago, I am saying, yeah, He is God. He is my Savior. I'm willing to live and die and do whatever He tells me to do. And right here, He's telling me to make disciples. And He tells me to do that by being baptized. And I'm getting baptized because Jesus says to be baptized. There's no, there's no gray area here, church. And I know most of you feel the same way that I do. But the more I talk about it, the more excited and fired up I get. There's no gray area here. If you are a follower of Jesus, then your act of obedience should be to get baptized. Period. End of discussion. The only, the only exception to that is if for some reason, when you make a profession of faith, that your life ends before you can be baptized. That's the only exception. That's the only scriptural exception, and it is the only exception. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized. Well, what is baptized? Well, 
what the word means. That's what the word means. The way it's being used here is to continually baptize because we're talking about baptizing them into all the things Jesus. But he's also talking about the act. The act of baptism is to be baptized. To be baptized means to be immersed, submerged, covered up. There's no gray area there either. There's not. Be submerged. Why? Well, because you're making a public statement. The act of baptism is a public statement. I have faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ, the guy that died for my sins, was buried for my sins, and then came back to life. And I'm saying that I am going to do the same thing. I have done the same thing. My spirit is now dead to self and alive forevermore with God. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful act. And we should absolutely be bouncing off the walls as much as physically possible <laughs> whenever we see that take place in this church. To be continually immersed, to be immersed in what it is to follow Jesus. It's, but he doesn't just say baptized. He says something specific there. He says baptized in the name. Baptized in the name. All, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. Yes, baptized is to be physically dunked under the water, but metaphysically, beyond just what we're doing physically, what are we doing? We are baptizing into the name. Literally, we are entering into allegiance, is what, is what the language is saying there. You are, you are professing your allegiance. What is allegiance? It's a loyalty. It's a commitment of someone under a subordinate to a superior which would be Jesus, or a loyalty to a com and a commitment by an individual to a group. It's the same things. It's just both of those things are taking place. Both of those things are allegiance. Yes, God, you are superior. I am subordinate. I am loyal to you. How far? As far as it possibly has to go. That's what loyalty is. It's one of my favorite attributes in a human being. I love, I love people. It stands out to me when people are loyal when they do things loyally. People like that are often close to me in my circle because I think loyalty is a, is a key ingredient of being a decent friend and human being. A commitment by a subordinate to a superior. It's a profession of identity and allegiance. I identify with Jesus and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Continues on. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we get to a great debate about that, but we're not going to today. <laughs> we can get to a great debate about that. The essence is, is your faith in Jesus or not? That's the essence. When you get baptized, when you make a public profession of faith, is it to and into and because of the power and authority of Jesus Christ or not? Okay? Now, does that mean you have to say these words when you baptize someone? Absolutely not. Okay? Now, don't throw anything at me. 
But you don't have to say that for it to count. As God's not sitting up there and going, oh, didn't say the right words. Click. That baptism doesn't count. Everything inside of him says that he loves me and he's professing faith in me or she is professing faith to me. Everything inside of him says that he, has, he or she has faith in me, but they didn't say the right words, so X doesn't count. That's not the way God works. So if, I, if we go up there for the next baptism and we don't say a word other than, is Jesus your God? That's it. All the rest of it is stuff that we hang up on that doesn't really matter. Is Jesus your God? Are your sins forgiven by Jesus Christ? And is that why you're doing this act? If that is the case, amen, praise the Lord. Welcome to eternal life. If it is not, it don't matter what this guy or whoever that guy is up there helping you be dunked says at all. It matters what your heart, what your true self has faith in. Okay, I'll get off that. I don't want to stay there any longer. <laughs> Baptizing into the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He continues. How do you do that? With a physical act of baptism, but to continually immerse them in the teachings in what I have taught you. Continually immerse them in the teachings, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. How do you make disciples? You baptize them physically and continually in the teachings of Jesus, in the commandments of Jesus. Everything I have commanded you. Now catch that word there, everything. Okay, we don't get to, as, as our preacher that we grew up with, we don't get to tear that page out, brother. Okay? He preached a sermon on that 30 years ago, and I still remember it, about how we want to take the Bible, and the things we don't like, we want to just say, well, just tear that page out, brother. You don't have to do that. That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say do almost everything. He says, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. Now, I love that. It's just, that's, it's all-encompassing. You say, well, what, what commandments? Well, the greatest commandment will be a good place to start which we talked about last week. Love the Lord, your God with ev the Lord your God with everything you've got and love others the way you want to be loved. And then Jesus said it even better. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got and love others the way I have loved you. Be willing to sacrifice everything for the betterment of someone else. Only do things that do good to other people is another way to say love. And sometimes that means saying things that they don't want to hear and doing things that they don't want you to do. It means doing what's best. Love never does harm. And that's the greatest commandment that Jesus gives us. But he gives a bunch. They're all just further expressions of how to do that. Further expressions, further definitions, so that you can't have a loophole. There is no loophole underneath love others the way I have loved you. There's no loophole in that. You can try to find it, but there's not one. But he gave a lot of other things. He said to forgive said, you, you should be born again. Says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. In other words, don't be a divisive person. Let your light shine before men. Go out and live out what I've called you to do. He says, get rid of whatever causes you sin. Love your enemies. Don't resist an evil person. Do good to them. Giving more, give more than that is demanded. If society says you should do this much, then do that much and then some. Do more than is demanded. Give to please God, not to be seen. In other words, be real, be sincere, right? Pray privately, not to be seen. Be sincere in your prayer life. doesn't mean you can't pray publicly. It means don't only pray publicly. And the greatest commandment, and the Great Commission, 
If we're not making disciples, then we're not following the commandments of Jesus. We're, and we're not teaching others to do the same thing. And then Jesus finishes up his final words in Matthew's account of his life. The last thing that Jesus says in Matthew's account of his life. He finishes up there at the very end. He says, I remember and remember. Do all these things. Do everything we've just discussed. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. A promise that should fill us with the courage of having a million-man army by our side. A promise that God is with you always. Jesus is with you always. Should fill you and should fill me and should fill every person that professes faith in Jesus with so much courage that nothing, 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 nothing should ever stop us from doing what Jesus has called us to do. Because he's already done all he needs to do. How could anything in a temporal world stop an eternal being from doing something? Think about that. When you have placed your faith in Jesus and you have died to self and been raised to life, raised to newness of life, we say, you have become an eternal being. God has placed his spirit in you. You, have, you, you, you no longer will experience death. You are an eternal being. How could anything in this temporary world that is filled with temporary beings, how could anything stop you or me from doing what an eternal God has called us to do as co-eternal beings? Now, it shouldn't ever be the case. What do we have to fear? He says he's with us. Check this out. This is pretty cool. You ready for this? This is some pretty, is some pretty good preaching right here. You ready? First thing that's said about Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Matthew 1, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. <laughs> that's pretty cool. The first thing said that Jesus would be is the last thing he says he is. Matthew says the prophet said that, that this will be God with you. And the last words that Jesus assures us with is, I am with you. I am Emmanuel, eternally. I will always be with you. I'm with you. I'm Yahweh. I'm the eternal, always present God. Same God that's told Moses the same thing. And God said, I will be with you in Exodus 3.12. And this will be the sign to you that I, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Same God that said the same thing to Joshua in Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the same God. It's always been the same one God. The God that desires to be with you. That desires to be with you so badly that he would take on the sins of this world. He would send his son to take on the wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to experience it. That God is always with you. That God desires to be with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. Don't miss that last part. I'm with you always to the end of the age.
this age that we're living in now, it's coming to an end. Now, I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's a thousand years from now. And neither do you. And nor shall we even speculate on such things. Because it doesn't matter. What matters is it could be today. For you individually, it could be today. Or tomorrow. Or maybe a week. We don't know. But granted, this age is coming to an end. The current world that we're in. And to that, the church should say, Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus, bring it on. Bring on the next age. The next age where there is no sickness, where there is no hurt. The next age where it doesn't matter if you're born into wealth or you're born into being poor. Because that doesn't exist. You're born with the right name and the right parents or you're not. Your dad was in your life or he wasn't. None of that is going to exist anymore. No pain, no sickness, no sorrow, no tears. Bring on that age. But Jesus reassures us that in this age where all of that exists, he's with us always in that age. So what are we saying, church? Here's what we're saying. When it comes to Jesus, all authority demands all allegiance. Not partial allegiance, not halfway allegiance, not show up on Sunday and never do anything else allegiance, all allegiance. And imagine this, church. Imagine it. Imagine a local church body actually being all sold out to the Great Commission. All sold out to making disciples, to doing whatever it took to reach the next person and the next person and the next person. And not just baptizing them and then letting them go on, but baptizing them continually in the teachings of Jesus. New follower of Jesus here or out there. It's not over when you get baptized. You've just begun this grand journey of living this life with Jesus until, until the next age comes. You need to be connected to a local body. You must be connected to a local body. We have to gather and worship on a regular basis. There is no way to be effective for God apart from the church. The church is plan A, B, C, and all the way to Z. It is the plan. We must be together, and we must be bringing people to Jesus on the regular. And imagine, imagine what could happen to this church if we sold out to the Great Commission. Imagine what it would look like if the 50%, says the state convention, the 50% of people in Yale County, that's half, that don't know who Jesus is, came to know Jesus. What would happen to our community? What would it look like in a day, in a week, in a year? Think about, think about how miraculous that would be. You know what you wouldn't have? You wouldn't have near as much pain. We, we, wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have a drug problem anymore, which we do severely in this county. We wouldn't have it anymore. You know why? You wouldn't need it. When you got Jesus and you're sold out to Jesus, you don't need anything this world has to offer like that. Now, if that's something you struggle with, hey, we're here to love you and help you and walk with you through that. But I'm here to tell you, it'd be gone. It'd have to find somewhere else to exist. 
because there'd be no customer base anymore. Imagine what it could look like if one, one local body of Jesus completely sold out to making disciples and continually immersing them in the commandments of Jesus. There's only one way to do that, and that's to be doing it yourself. We have to be continually immersed in the commandments of Jesus and praying for the desire and the strength and the will to carry out those commands, to love others at all costs. Just imagine, imagine it, church. That'd be a great place to live. Last thing, we could say it like this. Jesus is always there with all authority, and at the end of the age, he will make it all right. Jesus is all. All we need and all we could ever want. If you've never placed your faith in him, today would be the day to do that before we leave this building. You could even do it during this song as that we're about to sing. You come up and you can ask me, hey, I want to do that. Then we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through it right here and now. Right here and now, how to place your faith in Jesus. If you already have, then may we be that church that finally sells out 100% to making disciples of 